Hey, good morning, Team Elevate. This is Brigham Black. I'm coming to you from Utah. Really excited to have a special guest today for our Thriving Thursday, my good friend, Alex Rep. It's going to be an awesome day today. We're going to be talking about why co-hosting your short-term rentals can actually increase ROI by 20 to 40%. And we're going to show you the data, why it works, and it's going to be really fun to, to interact with each other. And I'm super stoked to hear a little bit more about his perspective on this. And as we go into this, guys, you're you're going to be blown away with just what's possible. And this is literally just for our, our Renatus Elevate uh, team. It's something that uh, if you've taken the short-term rental classes, this is that next level of, wow, what is possible with short-term rentals? So excited. Now, guys, uh, good morning. I've got a few announcements for you before we uh, hop into that content. Number one, uh, this Saturday, we have our blueprint uh, to wealth with the PAC members. It's It was so good last time. We had hundreds of people online. And if you're going to be building for that event, it is it is wonderful. Uh, that's with our PAC members all across the nation. We're going to be, be in on that Zoom call. And you do not want to miss it. Uh, but yeah, without any further ado, we're going to dive straight in. So I'm going to basically interview Alex right uh, right with you guys. And if you have questions, hop on this Zoom and interact with us. It's going to be awesome. So Alex, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the background of your story. So before you came down to Renatus, what was your context of your life uh, as you started getting you know, excited about real estate, what were some of those moments that were the shift that allowed you to go and take your business to the next level? And then since you've joined Renatus, you've had multiple times where you've expanded. Tell us a little bit more about where what the trajectory of your life is like. Go, go ahead. So before I joined Renatus, I um, uh, knew I wanted to become a, an entrepreneur, but I didn't know what capacity. So um, at the time, I was investing in my dad's business because he lost his job in 2009. And being the good son that I was, I, I, you know, he was starting a business. So I was making money. I didn't have any student loan debt. And I was living at home, so I wasn't paying any rent. So I was investing in his business at the time. Um, about three and a half years later and about 100 grand later, uh, we realized his business idea wasn't going to work out. So I lost 100 grand. And that's when I started looking for Renatus. <laughs> lost about 100 grand you're like oh that hurts yeah. I have to go uh take some some time for myself and make make it happen so tell us how did you find Renatus what was it like a roadside sign was it uh like a random call from somebody how did you find Renatus so one of the things that I decided to do um after I realized I wasn't going to get my money back was I I decided that I needed to start reading more so uh, in the reading, I got introduced to a guy who was trying to recruit me uh, to Amway, and he told me to read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, so I read it. I was like, oh, well, I'm reading books anyway, so I might as well read this book. And I was so um, just captivated by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the Purple Bible, that uh, I didn't join Amway, but I ended up Googling um, wealth building through real estate. And I joined Renatus instead. <laughs> I love it. So it gave you the the confidence to say, you know what? I know this vehicle is what I want. I want to do real estate investing. I just That's don't right. want to do it with Amway. I love that. That's funny. Right. So um, <clears throat> yeah, the check boxes were all there when I showed up 
in 3030 Chicago. So I, I remember going through like the book and watching the presenter and I was like, oh, check there, check there, check there. And they had a, a local group and that's what I was interested in. I love it. Now, um, a lot of us have fear in investing. And before we even dive into the short-term rental content, I actually have a, a little video that, that popped up to, in my head this morning while we were, we were kind of putting this together. I wanted to share with everybody. Now that we have a few online. Uh, here is that video. It is from Bob Snyder. And he talks about how we can smash sometimes the fear of investing. And we're going to give you some, some great skills today. But this is one of those videos that I think is very, very helpful with this topic uh, of overcoming the fear of investing and also uh, helping us see what's possible. So as I'm playing this, guys, if you have anyone else that wants to be on this line uh, and be on this call, feel free to text them. It's going to be an awesome, awesome call for the next you know 45 minutes or so. Hey everybody, we're back again on our drive. Today I want to talk about real estate. Why? Well, that's our business, <laughs> real estate. There are right ways and wrong ways to go about engaging in uh, real estate investing. You know, we say in the marketing side of our business that ignorance on fire is a whole lot better than knowledge on ice. And it's true because your enthusiasm transfers to the prospects that you're introducing to this business. But in real estate, ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice? No, that's a formula for disaster. It is. The reason why we engage in so much education in Renatas. Education that I hope that you're taking advantage of. Now, there's still individuals who go through our classes, they come to community events, they go on property tours, they, they have a lot of help and assistance inside the Renatas community that still can't seem to overcome the fear of investing. That's what I want to speak to today. The fear of investing. Now fear, if you use that as an acronym, stands for false evidence appearing real. See, we fear what we don't understand. Now, you would think that after a person takes classes that they would understand something, that they would overcome fear. Well, that does work to a certain extent, but there's still individuals until they act upon the knowledge that they've been given, they'll never overcome the fear. I want to talk to you about getting comfortable taking action. It's all about working the numbers on a deal. If you know that the numbers work, then make offers. Make offers. Never delay. Uh, if, if you don't, somebody else is going to come along and snatch up that great deal that you are, well, spending too much time deliberating about. If you need to go home and think about a deal, generally that deal is going to be gone if it's a good deal. So you've got to learn how to act quickly and act uh, appropriately. Learning how to work the numbers, which you'll learn in so many of our classes because multiple instructors go over that, enables you to make offers and then engage in doing your research. Just about every REPSI, that's a real estate purchase and sale agreement, um, out there across the country allows a person to have 10 days or more to do an inspection period. During that inspection period, you can change your mind. If the deal doesn't work because now you're able to do your due diligence, well then you just simply back out of the deal and give notice to the seller that based on these items or, or your inspection that you've changed your mind and you're going to move on to something else. So you should never feel as though you're locked into something because you made an offer on it and that offer was accepted. The next thing is this, with real estate, if you don't get in the game, then you're never going to enjoy the benefits that you got involved with Renatus for. 
real estate is a blessing in your life and it can be a blessing in the lives of your children and grandchildren when you do it right. And I want to see our students succeed and succeed big. But you don't have to run faster than you can, you can go, or I should say try to walk faster than you can run. You can take it in bite-sized pieces. Maybe you just go out and you start looking at a few deals here and there. Maybe you just make an offer on a property and you start your due diligence. If the deal works, great. You close on it and hallelujah, you've got your first one under your belt. I will promise you this, the first deal is always the scariest, the first deal is the most difficult, and the second gets to be so much easier. The third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth are so much easier. And over time, you get to a point where there's the fear factor is removed because you're making intelligent, informed decisions, because you've got a community that surrounds you that can help support you and help you and lift you and show you by their deals the example that, of success that you should be following. And because you've got the Renatus education, if you've already gone through your year redemption period and you've converted to complimentary lifetime access, huh, hallelujah. That means you're going to have current, accurate, relevant information to help you going forward. It means you also should stay engaged in the learning process so that you can become better at it and always make sure that you can reduce the risks that go along with investing so that you increase the probability of success. Get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines, be an investor, make offers, close deals, and show others how easy it really is. There you go. That's, that's one of those insights that I think is awesome. False evidence appearing real is a great acronym to think about fear. Okay, but Guys, as we're diving into this topic of co-hosting, how we can strip away some of that fear of investing, Alex has done this. He's been there. He's done that. And one of the things I love about this guy is not only has he watched the classes, has he done the classes, but he has taken action on, on them in such a, amazing consistency that he's had some awesome results. And what's cool is his results, guys, his, his, his results are not typical, but they are predictable. And that's what I think is really awesome. So Alex... Without any further ado, I actually want to turn the time over to you for a little bit, and I want you to talk to us about how you took your first short-term rental and turned it into, how many you got now? Over 50. Over uh, 50. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about that process, because I'm sure that didn't happen overnight. Well, I mean, like a lot of people in Utah, when the classes <laughs> came out in 2019, um, I, got in, I got into arbitrage. Um, that would be short-term rental Airbnb arbitrage, where you you sign a lease from from a landlord, and then you essentially sublease or license out the space, um, and collect profit. It's kind of like a vending machine. You're buying the water bottles at the store, you're putting them in the vending machine, you're selling them at a marked-up rate. The vending machine analogy just simply says, you know, um, the vending machine analogy I think is perfect because what you're selling, you're not selling water bottles, but you're selling days. So because people are willing to buy individual days at a higher price than a whole month, you can make profit. At least that was the case. So when I got started in 2019, there weren't a lot of short-term rentals and there was some profit. And I think a lot of people who got interested or got into short-term rentals in Utah uh, or around the country would echo this statement. It worked really well in 2019, 2020, 2021 was the record year, 2021 was the record year. Um, but yeah, I got started, I watched the classes, uh, 
it was May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And then uh, by May 5th, I had two arbitrage units. So it didn't take me very long. That's awesome. That's how I got started. <laughs> two days later. <laughs> two, days, two days to figure out, oh, I, I can do this. So instead of letting fear stop you, you're like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. That's so. I mean, I can't say it's all been great, to be honest, because, um, and I, you know, Bob's Bob's thing about ignorance on fire, uh, not being a potentially winning combination when it comes to real estate. I had some some poor dis business decisions because of that combination, sure. but overall, I've come out to be ahead, so. Well, tell us one or two of those uh, those shifts that you noticed from this arbitrage model to co-hosting that that illuminated the possibility of what what you could do with this business because it's not like they're drastically different but the differences are are huge so in kansas city there are <clears throat> there's a relatively small real estate community and um you you get to hear what other people are doing uh like through the grapevine so when i got up to about 25 units like i knew who all the other pl players were in Kansas City. And, you know, a bunch of them were following the arbitrage model like I've been doing. And then there was another group that was going the management route. And um, um, it was, you know, that was how the idea was first passed to me. I was like, oh, well, that sounds easy. We built a management system for our units. We, we can handle other people. That sounds like too easy. So I picked up a couple um, this was around 2021. And one thing I noticed right away is that you don't have to pay rent on those uh, management contracts. Like every dollar that you make on it, um, minus your staff overhead, your time, things like that. But essentially every every dollar that you make on that management contract is, is, um, is largely profit. You don't have to pay utilities. You don't have to pay uh, cleaning fees. The owner does. You don't have to pay uh rent or all their holding costs um that's that's your cut if that makes sense and it's up to you to to try to make that efficient with your va team etc so that's when i started like um really getting into that the kind of shift so uh i, I do want to um define a term co-hosting um i think is a term that's widely used and largely misunderstood so co-hosting is like a loose um, definition for short-term rental management. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, co-hosting is only um, the software aspect of, of managing a short-term rental and not the physical. So what, what the software aspect is getting your listing online, making sure it's on Airbnb or VRBO and making sure that the messaging is being done and that like everything digital but it's not, but a lot of co-hosts, they don't manage the cleaners or the handyman or the lawn guy or something like that. So um, when, I, in my opinion, that's where the word starts to differ from uh, management. Management in widely sense means the full service of it, both the software and the physical aspect of it. So um, <clears throat> there are, there's a quite a few there's a couple of students out there that are doing co-hosting right now. Um, I think the most prominent of which is Hugh Zaretsky. 
and its genius model. So I'm speaking to the Renata students as like a, a, if you're interested in getting into this kind of crowd. So I think it's a genius model because you don't have to worry about any of the headaches. That's still on the property owner. I don't do that. I do full service management. So it's harder. It might be harder for me to scale than someone like you. Um, um, but it's what I've already built and it's what I'm decided to continue building out. So um, um, the easier of the two is definitely just focusing on the digital because you don't have to find cleaners all over the country. That's like the, the, huge, the, the huge headache that um, uh, people have to grapple with. So uh, that's how I got into uh, management. Did you have another question or do you want me to just continue? No, on? absolutely. So there's actually one in the chat <laughs> because Tamara just, no, Tamara was just like, man, uh, what are you, what are you cash flowing? She's just curious about that. Just round numbers. Where, where have you started versus where are you at now? So, um, <clears throat> we grossed a million bucks this year for the first time, which is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> and, um, uh, we netted about a hundred grand, but this is after salaries. So I'm paying myself 60 K now. Uh, and then I have um, another U.S.-based employee at 60, and I have a bunch of VAs. I have six VAs now, and they're at about uh, 40. So um, that should kind of give you those, those numbers. Now, for every management contract, we usually bring in about 500 bucks per contract. And that's like, like uh, that's pretty low end. I'll be completely honest. When we run our numbers, we're like, we're like, okay. Um, we need to get X amount of contracts to be able to make X amount of income. We use the we use 500 as the base number, but there there are months where we'll, we'll get a thousand bucks from our management contract. <clears throat> That's awesome. Depending on the size, etc. So on the arbitrage, this you know 2019 2021, we were making that and then some. We were making more than a thousand dollars, but um, on the arbitrage numbers now. Uh, we're probably making about 300 a unit. Yeah. And that wasn't the case on some of them. We actually dropped a bunch of uh, the stinkers this year. So. so I have a question for you. How did you identify the, the stinkers as you as you bring it up? It's just running your, your numbers. Negative, right? negative cash flow. Yeah. So <clears throat> as you're identifying those and you're saying, all right, this this co-hosting solution, we're we're saying baseline is going to be around five hundred dollars per unit cash flow. Uh, how did you determine that number? Because I mean, a lot of people use a, a like fifteen percent gross, twenty percent, thirty percent. Where's your your? That's, oh, that's, that's what typically what we get on um, a two bedroom, one bath at around fifteen percent uh, gross income. Sweet. So we're going to get more than that on a house. Or if we're charging more than fifteen percent, yeah. So, so for those of for those of us that are are a little newer, uh, could you run like a case study of one of your <laughs> properties and give us some examples to say, hey, here's here's basically what the numbers look like in in co hosting, and then maybe juxtapose that to maybe an arbitrage model. Would that be okay? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. I'm going to share if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely.
So what I'm logging into is um, I use QuickBooks for our bookkeeping. Um, um, I really like QuickBooks. I mean, it's been around for a while. Um, but in any case, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out um, I'm gonna pick I, I I think I'm gonna pick one unit and just completely at random. Okay, this is a newer unit that I picked up. Uh, it's likely I picked up this contract in October, and its first month was November. Okay, so, Alex, is all your stuff is is in Kansas City? No, we're in eight states now. Gotcha. So, um, okay, so here is my cut. This is no, this is a statement that we prepared for the owner. So I got five hundred fifty-one dollars on uh, nineteen hundred. Uh, dollars of revenue, and then I haven't invoiced. I haven't I invoiced. Have, uh, seven tonight, seven to eight thirty. I'm going. Can you oh, mute that person? I'll mute that. Yeah, that's pretty sure. Yeah, so I haven't invoiced December yet because it's December fourth, and I'm I'm supposed to be done with statements by the tenth. But it, when I invoice this person for thirty eight hundred dollars on this house, I should be able to collect $777. Now, the expenses down here, these are still owner expenses. So um, I uh, charge once a year uh, a software fee to the owner. This is in our contract and I fully explained this before they come on board. This is for uh, a software called Remote Lock. And the reason why I build this to the owner is because I wouldn't be able to carry out the cleaning operations without it. So each cleaner gets a unique code so that if we fire the cleaner that we delete the code, it protects against theft. So since I have to get in all my units, it's fair for the, the owners have to get in their units. So <clears throat> um, this is the cleaning expense. So we have software, we have cleaning, we have supplies. So um, 700 is very high for a month. We were probably still building out this unit uh, without looking into it. And then, um, uh, this was the distribution that we paid to the owner in November. Um, so the one for the distribution that we based off of December's profit will come in January. So, uh, and the profit should be about, um, we should be distributing $2,617, um, at the very next distribution, which we should probably make him pretty happy. So, um, <clears throat> So the, the answer is like, um, I was asked just to reiterate the question is what kind of expenses or line items are you looking for? Or what would you, do you get in management? So as the manager, um, your, your only, your only line item concerns you is your management fee. The rest of this stuff, which is normal to expense in an arbitrage situation that could, that's good. Get that gets passed on to the owner. So, um, the, the line items that are uh, involved with this management fee, um, they really go back to a, really a different business model. So 
I'm not going to go from a report stance on this, but um, how about I send you guys our budget this year, right? So our, our budget for 2024, I'll show you guys that. So um, let me hide the empty rows. Okay, so um, I have two questions when you're done. Sorry. All right, so this is a lot more complex, but um, we're anticipating we're going to collect at a minimum 130 grand, 133 grand of management this year. We still own an arbitrage business. This is the rental income for the arbitrage business. This is the the early pet fee, et cetera, that were based on last year. We should maintain that. Um, I collect about $150,000 in sales where that, that's related to setting up a unit. Um, people pay us for materials and labor. Uh, we get, um, uh, we're, we're anticipating about $5,000 from an Airbnb referral bonus. They pay us $720 per referral uh, that gets added to Airbnb. So every new client, we just, we have, we set up their Airbnb account or have them set it up. And then if they use our link, we get paid 720 bucks. So um, anyways, and then we have our budget. We have advertising, marketing, uh, I'm investing in coaching this year, uh, gas, fuel, masterminds, uh, meals, entertainment. I only expense meals and entertainment because I have partners when I go on trips that are clearly for um, owl stays, my business uh, purposes, text marketing, travel, web hosting. So this is what all goes into, this is what the management fees pay for, if that makes sense. So software, so this is way more complicated than than what the owners have to deal with. Um, but this might be just because of the evolution of my business. And at the end of this, um, I ran my budget with a guaranteed profit of 63 grand. This is after my salary and my employee's salary as well. We're like, well, that seems a little low. Well, I ran this with my current uh, size of my business. So if I don't add a single contract this entire year, I should make I, my company should still profit about 63,000. So um, I intend to add management contracts this year. My goal is to get, is to add another 25 contracts. So um, uh, that would bring me up to a unit count of about 75. So if that were to happen, this number would be maybe 200,000. I, I haven't done the full math off the top of my head. So I um, hope that goes into it. So. Yeah, I think that that goes really well into it. So one of the the questions that that I have that I actually think is really really a great topic that we've we've talked about before is what are the the ways that you talk to an owner uh, of any really rental property and help them see the value of of doing short-term rentals in comparison to long-term rentals. Thank you so much. So I've been waiting for that question. Yes. <laughs> so so to be fair, this is like the number one reason why I'm here. I want to help you guys um, copy this, okay? Because this is the way to go right now. And I'm, I'm going to show you guys how I sell people on uh, management versus arbitrage or versus even long-term renting. So this is probably the most important thing uh, from this call that, that, um, that, that I'm going to share. So. Um, Please take notes is what I'm trying to say. So I'm going to give me a minute to just prepare the, the slides. So I made, I made a slideshow. Um, normal, I, I do this from a napkin as well. 
but I made a slideshow today because uh, if I draw on my screen, then you you won't see my my pretty face. And I this seems like such a you know uh, like a horrible thing to do, you guys. That you know I just didn't want to do it. So how do you sell people on management? All right, so actually, Woody actually helped me with this presentation. Fun fact: you can see part of his, uh, you know, influence on this slide. So, um, you know, I I ask people, what does more look like in your real estate journey? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? My target market are landlords, so I want to talk to as many landlords as I possibly can, or people who want to own property, property owners, because these are the this is your um, your competition aren't other short-term rental managers out there. Your competition is standard landlording, like long-term rental, that strategy, that is your competition. There's way more of those people that are taking away from your short-term rental business than short-term managers are. They're just, they're just by and large, most property are still long-term rentals that are in the real estate investing kind of space. So, so make sure you, you are fully aware that that is your target market. So, so what I do is I do a comparison, okay? This, this sales pitch is so simple. So I tell um, the landlord, well, what, what's market rent in your area? And they tell me. And I'm like, for this example, let's just assume that that market rent is $1,000, okay? Everyone follow me? Your, your market rent on your house is $1,000, okay? Now, um, I want to run that comparison where if we just make you the same amount of money as market rent, we're, we're going to make you $1,000. Now on that market rent, you know, for the long-term rental, you're still going to have to pay maintenance. You're still going to have to pay vacancy. You're still going to have to pay turnover costs. And you're still going to have to pay management because even if you're self-managing, you, you know, that's um, either a question of time or money, right? So, but that value, if you put a dollar sign next to your time is, is, 10%. So this is where the numbers come from. I've allocated 10% for maintenance, 10% for vacancy, 10% for turnover, 10% for management. Now in our classes, you know, if you get a little cute, like our classes say you should allocate 8% for vacancy, but for the sales pitch, it's definitely easier to keep everything 10%. You guys see where I'm going at here? You know, so if I fudge the number, that's the number I fudged, but like a confused mind does not move forward. So these are where, this is the real numbers. So on a long-term rental, if your market rent is $1,000, you have to understand that that is gross income and you have to subtract the expenses from that. So your net income is $600 in that situation. Now, let's go back to short-term rentals. What if I could get you $1,000, that market rent? So if I could get someone $1,000, then that means the net income is $1,000. And that by and large is still true across the country. In fact, across the country, you can still get a couple hundred dollars more than short-term rentals. And this is on a cookie cutter short-term rental, not a unique short-term rental. A unique short-term rental like, like um, a hobbit house on the side of a mountain, that probably will make a little bit more or a luxury mansion. That's a unique short-term rental. But if it's a cookie cutter, just regular house, short-term rental, you could still make the um, you could still make the equivalent to market rent as a distribution, as net income. So, on uh, a unit that would distribute about a thousand a month, that unit 
from my experience of 50 plus rentals, grosses about 2,500 a month, okay? This is with an 80% occupancy, okay? So we've already factored in vacancy with an 80% occupancy rate. The cleaning and maintenance is your maintenance bill. That's about 500 a month, and I can show you comparables. Management in this situation would be 500, and then you would have about 500 in other expenses. Maybe it's supplies, maybe it's lawn care, et cetera. But either way, you're going to be left with 1,000. The difference here is $400. It's $400 higher. Okay? So the conversation that I'm having with these landlords is not that I can make them more money. It's that I'm actually saving them more money. Their cash flow is 40% higher because of this simple misunderstanding. When people hear, hey, I can make you $1,000 in short-term rentals, they look, oh, well, I can get that in market rent. I'm not going to go with that. Well, what they should know is that it's still way better. It's still way better because they don't have to pay maintenance, vacancy, turnover cost management after that market rent. They pay it before. Does this make sense, guys? So this is the pitch. I draw this out on a napkin. Long-term rentals on one side, short-term rentals on the other side. And when owners see that they can make 40% more cash flow, that's not a small number, guys. Make sure you understand that. That's a very big number. If I could go into your stock portfolio, your retirement account, and get you 40% more than what you're getting last year, you know, right? That sounds like, that's a, understand that that number is not small. Not to mention, there's no more headaches. So, like all the headaches that would come with evictions and tenants not paying, et cetera. Well, with short-term rentals, they pay before they even come there. They pay before they even show up. And if they have a headache, we can we can um, get reimbursed by Airbnb's host guarantee or host guarantee of the platform. They never have to worry about eviction unless they're in the state of California. <laughs> um, hey, check us out, right? So- Sorry, I forgot to take this slide out, to be completely honest. Um, and but to actually demonstrate, I use this for my pitches. So this is the pitch. It's very simple. This pitch is effective. It works. I have like an 80% close rate right now on this. It's probably higher. I didn't really look. I can't remember a single person that didn't go forward with me once I sat them down and explained this to them. Not a single one. That's awesome. So because this is so clear and it's it's simplified in a lot of ways, uh, what do you say uh, <clears throat> as far as people that, that still feel like, oh, it's too good to be true? What are some of the ways that you have helped debunk that uh, objection? So um, I'll go back to it if, if you guys want to take a picture, et cetera. But it's super simple. Like, um, you know, after I go through my little spiel about how they can make more money, yeah, that's when I'll start getting questions. You just answer their questions. So, like, um, what about parties? Well, what about parties in your long-term rental right now? You you thinking your long-term tenants don't have parties? <laughs> 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 so, like, um, uh, you know, in, in an all-serious sense, this is, I continue my response. The first thing I start with, what about your parties right now? But like, um, but after, in, in a serious sense, I tell them, and I use those exact words, in a serious sense, well, um, we, you know, if you want, we can put an $80 camera, $10 a month on the front of your door. We highly recommend it. 
And uh, just to be full disclosure, we are not detect to prevent or detect to treat. So when the party is occurring, uh, we can get um, additional revenue from each guest that broke the house rules and um, we can help police this. That's definitely better than the situation you have right now. If someone has a party in your unit, you just don't know about it. Yeah, that's huge. So basically any objection they bring up, you're like, well, are your current tenants doing that? You have no idea. You're, go back to what your real competition is, okay? Yes. Now, here's the biggest question that you're gonna get, okay? And I didn't talk about it yet. Um, there is an expense that you're asking the owner to do, to make. What's the expense? Anyone know? What do they have to invest to start a short-term rental? Property, police. No, 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 no. If they already own it. So the, the real only short-term rental startup cost is furnishings. Furniture. Furniture is the startup cost, okay? Okay, now Woody says, well, um, no one will buy unless until you make a reassociation. So um, I came up with a reassociation on this. All right, and just remember this, this is, this is gold. Think of furnishings, think of your startup costs as the turnover costs you'll never have to pay again. Think of think of the ten fifteen thousand dollars you're gonna in, you're gonna uh, invest to set up this short term rental as the turnover costs you'll never have to pay again. It's the best it's the best way to overcome that hump because turnover costs when a when a tenant moves out of a unit could be as little as three thousand dollars it could be as high as fifty thousand dollars. It's best not to speculate that on that. If the landlord, and most landlords are kind of smaller, that means that they don't have contractors lined up. If it's not like a big guy doing like a hundred of, you know, 200 rentals, um, he's not gonna have a team, which means that it's gonna be expensive. So um, that that's very powerful. So a term, and for them not to have, to pay turnover costs ever again, it's a big deal. So think of think of the furnishings as like the turnover costs you'll never have to pay again. That is the big objection. Alex, I have a quick question. Question. Sorry, I am breaking. Okay, I have a, I have two questions for you. Um, so it's first, congrats! It's been really fun to see all your progress um and success um my question is so uh i know you're a big systems guy you've created a lot of systems to essentially you know fuel this and, and make this grow so um that's something i struggle with and it's definitely held me back so I'm just, so any suggestions to someone who's not so much a systems person and i know you have partners do you like leverage each other's skill set but Anyway, that's my question about systems. You could always borrow my systems. Interesting. I, uh, I'll pick your brain. So, I'll text you. What, no, no, no. What do you this mean? Is, 
this is a mastermind and I, I wanted to make sure it was specifically Renata students. So you could, you partnered on real estate deals before, right? Yes. So why not partner on a management contract? Well, two things I'm not right now. I mean, I, I'm not doing a lot of Airbnb. I do have a property that I just finished rehabbing that, that I'm not doing arbitrage, but I am going to Airbnb do Airbnb. So, um, but I, I need to create my own systems for my real estate, um, business because it's a little bit different than, than your, it's not, I'm not doing all Airbnb. I'm doing some, but I'm doing other things. So I, I guess my question was more specific to systems than it was, um, well, Airbnb if you're not, if, if, if you don't consider building systems of strength, then what I would do instead would be to borrow someone else's system and create an affiliate relationship, some kind of partnership. That's what I would do. So, um, gotcha. Um, I, I answer that question as well. I think. I learned this from Eric Counts. I've also heard this from a handful of people in our community. A system is just writing down the process. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Now, it may not be the most efficient system, but if you don't have it written down, you don't even know. You don't know if that's an efficient system or not. So you might have better systems than you even thought, Tamara, but because you haven't written them down and said, oh, when you're setting up your unit, you need to check these eight or 10 things. And then here's the different ways that we verify that it's rent ready, that it's uh, guest ready, all these different elements. Until you actually take the time to write it down, then you don't even know if you have a good system. And if you see someone like like Alex who has these systems written down and he's he's helped people actually go and fulfill on it, you literally can just say, oh, that that system that he has for setting up the short-term rental, that makes sense. I can do that. I can duplicate that. So it's not that you don't have a system. It's that you're not writing it down. So you don't even know if that, that system is working. Is that do you have anything to add on that, Alex? Um, I mean, Eris class is gold. Um, I definitely watched that a few times with building out all of my systems and, and building systems has become a strength, but it's interesting that people consider me this big systems guy now, this business automation process person. Uh, because before I got into short-term rentals, I was the sales and marketing guy. <laughs> it's so funny. It's really interesting how like, honestly, the classes in Renatus help add fuel to what it is that we're already, we have strengths in. And then as you need to, you're like, all right, I have a weakness in systems, like what Tamara says. There are resources in our community of people like Alex, like like myself, other people that are doing the uh, the co-hosting or or full time property management. There's people doing this. Why why not just ask the questions? Uh, you ask enough questions, you'll get the answers you need. But the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your answers, and that's one of the reasons why we watch the classes so we know which questions to actually ask. Looks like you have another question here. Tim Mary said, "One of the most important things." that people need to do um, on their journey is just identify the thing that they want to specialize in, that they want to become great in. Pick the one thing that you want to be really, really good at. Like, it's very obvious what my one thing is now. I think it is. It's very obvious. And um, 
whenever I deviate from that, it just becomes very painful, painfully expensive. So I've learned that this year and I'm, I'm going all in on what I'm really good at and what I'm known for. Um, and I'm not saying that this is the better strategy. There's a lot of things that work like really well. Um, so I, I don't want to try to confuse people that this is the way, um, this is a way, uh, it works if you want to make it a profession like I have, but if, if you're not willing to, to become like a Kobe Bryant of this craft, then I would partner with another, someone else who, who has already made that decision. So, um, and I'm not advocating for people to partner with me i just know that focusing on one thing at a time is going to get you the fastest results so um i definitely wanted to speak on this note to the people in utah because um i have been hearing uh stories of arbitrage not working and people are not succeeding in the ways that they once had and for those people who are struggling because the arbitrage margins aren't there anymore, I'll give you, I'll give you this uh, piece of advice. Switch to management contracts. And we're like, well, how? I'm bound, to, I'm bound by leases. Well, here's what I would do if you're bound by leases. I would still advertise for management contracts. You want to create um, this abundance of contracts and this pipeline of contracts coming in so that when your lease ends, you can take the furniture from your lease arbitrage unit and just move it to your client's property that's signing a new contract with you. They're the only person in the entire world, at least that I know of, that's willing to pay full price for your arbitrage furniture. You will not find any other customer base that's willing to buy your property full price. That's the only one. People who are expanding short-term rentals and buying their own and hiring you for management, those are the people that are going to pay full price for your furniture. So the first people that you're going to ask is your are your own current landlords. You're like, hey, at the end of this lease, I'm sorry, I'm just not making the margins anymore. Here's how you can make it make sense for you. Because what's happening, and this is why arbitrage is doomed, Okay. In my opinion, now this is my opinion, and we we have people that disagree with me, but I believe arbitrage is done for, over, not coming back. And here's the reason why. The, the answer is in this slide. Right? So we have a owner who is switching to short term, right? And they are okay. They are okay with getting $1,000, which is market rent, okay, $1,000. They're okay with only making $1,000 because they're saving 40% of the cash flow, okay? Okay, now, imagine if there was an arbitrager in this situation, okay? That means this arbitrager is paying $1,000, okay? They're paying $1,000. That means they're grossing 2500, they're paying cleaning, they're paying their own management, maybe it's them their own time and other and then they're paying $1000, okay? That means if they've hired out management, they're making zero. 
$0. If they brought management in-house, they're making $500 or less. That's why the margin is drying up. Margin's drying up because owners are getting into the Airbnb game and they are okay with market rent as the distribution where an arbitrager needs above market rent to make profit. That is why arbitrage is doomed because it's just math. It's just supply and demand. Supply is going to continue to increase until this 40% more cash flow ends up being more like 20%, which means owners will accept a distribution less than um, market rent. That's why I believe arbitrage is doomed. So this conversation needs to be had. In the conversation to the landlord, if I was an arbitrage, I'd be like, hey, these benefits, this 10% maintenance, this 10% vacancy, this 10% turnover cost, these three benefits right here, I'm giving to you for free by being your tenant. You have way less maintenance than you've ever had because I clean this property three times a week. You have zero vacancy because I have never left the four years that I've been renting from you. You have zero turnover cost because your property is immaculate. You're receiving those benefits and you're not paying me anything. So I just can't afford this anymore. I'm going to leave when the when the 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 lease term is over. But if you still want to save 30% and continue, continue to collect that 30% additional cash flow, then you should hire me as a manager. You're still going to get it. That's the conversation that you got to have with your landlord force, your landlord first. Chances are they are going to say no. The reason why they're going to get they're going to say no is because they still think they can find someone else to be like you. They can still find another arbitrager or they can find another tenant. They have to go through some pain before uh, they come to this decision. So have a conversation. If they say yes, great. If they say no, then you got to find someone else who's already experienced that pain. People move faster with pain than pleasure. And then you just move your stuff over to their house. We've done this eight times this summer. Eight times because Kansas City banned short-term rentals. So I had to move eight units. We found clients. They bought at full price. I got all of my cash out of these arbitrage units. So none of them were nice. I have one more question. So the difference between what you and Hugh doing, you're fully managing, like you're doing all the uh furnishing and then like everything from furniture and a to a to z basically and he's just a doing like the, got it he's just doing ma- ma- managing cleaners and and repair people and stuff right i don't think he's doing that i think he's managing the listing no i haven't had a personal conversation with him so like if you want to oh. sure you just talk to the guy but um but in my uh understanding because i've seen ads for co-hosting they they make sure that your property gets booked. They make sure that um, that you get um, uh, you're advertised across a lot of different platforms. They handle guest service communication, things like that. But like I'm thinking of a big company like Evolve. Evolve charges 10% of gross. Last time I checked, but they don't take they don't. You have to bring your own cleaners. You have to bring uh your own long guy you have to make sure the property is ready already furnished so that's their market they don't handle any physical aspects of of 
the business where my, my company does. And it's because we we've already figured that out. So this year I figured out how to do it in all 50 States. And I have one more question for you. I might be open to one of my properties, like to working with you on one of my properties. Um, how do you determine what uh, that's, here's the thing. I don't know the market for Airbnb. How do you determine what market you'll work in and, and what you won't for Airbnb? You just go by the numbers, I guess, or what? Okay. So this is another benefit for becoming a manager versus an arbitrager. So there's a transfer of risk. Okay. So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm first going to acknowledge for the people that are looking to get become what I am in this business. So don't think anything less of me by explaining this. So, um, and this will become clear in a second. So there's a transfer of risk. When you sign an arbitrage unit, there's a risk that you're going to make less than rent, that you're going to have negative cash flow. So, that, so you need to make sure that you're in a market where the property is going to perform like at or above market, okay? When you become a manager, that risk gets transferred to the property owner, okay? So the responsibility of making sure it's profitable goes to the owner. It's no longer your responsibility. What's also not your responsibility is licensing. So um, like if laws change, it's not your responsibility to make sure that the property is properly licensed. It's the owner's responsibility. So from a, a strategy where people are getting into, a shorter strategy, there's just way less risk. Um, now, Tamara, here's what I do as a management company to help you understand what is a good short-term rental and the market conditions that I have. So um, I can provide reports on what I think it'll make prior to you making an investment or deciding that it's for you, that's for you. The other thing that I do that most people can't do is that, and I can never put this in writing, I never promise this, but I have become quite good at offloading furniture at retail value. So let's say you make this investment and you get this furniture and it doesn't work out and you wanna exit, I'll help you sell that furniture for what you paid for. Um, uh, so yeah, so between the reports and, and what I think that this property can make and, and making sure that you have exit strategies, that's what I can do. That was a great question, Tamara, thank you. All right, Alex, we, we only have like five minutes. I would love to hear what is the the overview? Is there anything else you're like, man, I, I wanted to touch on this. This is whatever it is that's on the top of your head before we, we sign off. Well, I mean, I hope people paid attention from two perspectives from what I just said. So uh, Tamara, we're lucky enough, uh, is on this call and is playing the role of an interested client. So we've had some real dialogue on this call. So um, what I just said about making helping the owner um, with their furnishing investment and by helping them sell it off, that's a huge benefit to going with my personal management company. So if I was trying to emulate myself, if I was on this call and was like, oh, I wanna get into this space, that's a benefit that most managers don't do and it definitely gives me the leg up. So um, I am open. I, I'm actually with, through my day, I'm 
quite available. If anyone is serious about getting into this space, um, you could call me, I'll give you all my tips. Like my only requirement is that you have to have the epics combo. Sorry, not extreme, the epics combo. And that's to protect the hurt people that have brought you into our community. I don't want to give a reason to take money away from them, long story short. Just be completely transparent and obvious. So got to have the epics combo. And if you don't, you can still call me. I'm not asking you. I'll be like, all right, well, here's what I can give you at the essentials level. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, but, um, uh, you know, I wanted to express my availability. Um, here, I'll have a scheduler. I'll go ahead and drop. Make it easy. Um, what was I going to say? So the other biggest benefit that I'm providing to my clients that separates me from the market right now is that, um, I figured out how to automate, uh, the finding, the onboarding, the hiring and the quality control for cleaners. And that's enabled me to get prices for cleaning at a rate 30 to 50% less than my competition, but get the same results. So like one of the biggest things in my sales pitch after I go through that landlord situation is that I'm saving on average people about $600 a month just by switching to me. Huge. So, and those things are huge. So it didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. It's just that in my business, I figured out how to do things one at a time better systematically. I think that's awesome. So guys, put your hands together for Alex. Thank you so much for being on our call today, guys. I I think that that you over delivered on on what we we asked you to to show up for, and I'm just really grateful for your time, energy, and effort that you've put into to really going and solving this problem at the highest level. So Alex, thank thank you so much for your time. And if guys, if you want to uh, you know book a strategy session with him, uh, so dot dot so it's www dot 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 cards uh forward slash policies yep. so www.cards yeah forward slash alice days perfect so. and once again guys thank you so much for your time uh on here if you have more questions uh i have alex's phone number as well so if you're like hey i, I lost that feel free to reach out to me you you know how to find me so thanks messenger is a great way to find me too facebook messenger yes. facebook messenger is great okay thanks guys have a wonderful rest of your day and god bless